When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Scenes of Prospects Corner by Just Baseball Media. As always, I'm your host, Jared Perkins. Uh, we have an incredible interview today with Dylan Beavers and Judd Fabian, two of the top prospects with the Baltimore Orioles. But we're starting to do something new with the Prospects Corner. We want to give you some overlooks of the entire team's uh, farm system. So we have Bob Phelan here of the Verge and Orioles minor league baseball podcast, Pitcher List, and Baltimore Sport and Life. Uh, Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you on and really excited to kick this off kind of with you and talk about the Orioles farm system. Um, I want to start off by having just like an open discussion about uh, the Orioles farm system. So where does the you've had a lot of recent call ups for the Orioles. You've had come in and really kind of fill in and step up at the big league level. So what's the state of the Orioles farm right now? Miraculously, it's still one of, if not the best farm system in baseball, despite graduating Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Grayson Rodriguez in the past year or so. Um, and Jordan Westberg was just called up recently. D.L. Hall's had some major league time. Joey Ortiz, a taste. But there's even great names behind them. Jackson Holiday, potentially the third uh, year in a row that the Orioles could have the number one prospect in baseball, which is unheard of, crazy. Um, just seems like they're hitting, especially on the hitting side, it seems like they're just developing these guys and, and hitting on a lot of the guys they've drafted and uh, developed. Yeah. I was going to mention that because I'm a Royals fan. We've talked about this a little bit offline, but the, what the Orioles do hitting wise is kind of similar what the Royals have done with some of their bats, but I feel like the Orioles are definitely on a much different level because the Royals graduated MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr. Um, and Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino and guys like that. But after that, it's kind of been a slow role. There hasn't been like this next uh, elite level of guys coming. Um, how's that feel kind of being an Orioles fan, just seeing those next level guys come, you're like, wait, we just graduated all these top guys. So now we have this next level tier of guys who might be just in the top 10 as well. Yeah, it's, it's crazy coming as a, lifelong Orioles fan not used to it that's for sure <laughs> they were never in the international market and now Samuel Basayo yeah. is like the first uh, international top 100 type guy that's come in and it's just the player development has never been this good so even though they graduated those three top end guys they still have I think nine guys on Baseball America's top 100 with Kobe Mayo being the newest and he's 21 yeah. and just destroying double a so yeah it's remarkable and hopefully it's sustainable I know Michael Elias when he took the job he said the goal is to build an elite talent pipeline. Well, so far, so good on that front. 
Yeah, I was going to say he's done an incredible job with every single draft, it seems like. Even looking at the last one, we talked about the two guys that uh, we're, we got the chance to interview in this podcast, Judd Fabian and Dylan Beavers. I mean, those guys were both comp picks, too. And so Judd's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, just got called up to double A. Um, what have you seen kind of in Judd Fabian that you really like? Just love the, the the floor and the ceiling with him. I mean, this defense alone, he's a stud in center field, a true center fielder. Yeah. He's got a decent arm. He can. He's got the range, and then he's just got incredible swing decisions, which makes him a perfect fit for what the Orioles are doing. Because that's it just seems like every guy that's coming up through the system is that's what they excel at: swing decisions and, and taking their walks and only looking to do damage on pitches they can handle. You, you might get a little more strikeouts that way, but just seems like the power and plate discipline combination is really good with him. And he's already got like three home runs since he moved up to Double A. So. You know, picking up right where he left off. And, and Beaver's a little more of a project, I think, just yeah. from – he needs to be able to tap into that power more in-game. But I think once – and the track record is the Orioles could can get it out of him. Once that happens, I think he could be a monster as well. Yeah, I, I remember him coming out of the draft. Everybody's comping him to either Kyle Tucker or Christian Yelich. And, I mean, those are those are lofty expectations. But, I mean, he's got the same stature um, uh, body-wise. And it's kind of – I can see why people would put that on him. Yeah, we always when we talked about him on our podcast. We said he's Kyle Stowers with with more upside if he if he taps into it. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So, kind of, what are your expectations for the the upcoming MLB draft? We're kind of a couple of weeks away right now with Orioles at the seventeenth pick, I think, a little yeah. bit later in the draft than usual. But uh, what are you hoping kind of for this year? Well, it's it's going to be different because you know, the last few years, it's like we're locked in on these four or five guys that we know we're probably going to be able to pick from in this. It's like the field is wide open and still pretty confident just because you've seen like Gunnar Henderson was 41st overall. Connor Norby was a second round pick. Like we've seen them have great picks later down the line. Again, Judd Fabian, Dylan Beaver. So still confident that they can get someone pretty good at that spot. And hopefully someone uh, like Arjun Namala can fall down to 17. That would be amazing. But either way, it's probably going to be a bat, but uh, it's probably going to be someone that in a year from now we're talking about, oh, another potential top 100 guy. So <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. As a, a Royals fan looking at the recent MLB pipeline, top 100 and zero were in the top 100 after Gavin Cross has really shown a, the swing and miss was a concern in the draft and kind of coming out of it now. It's been a little bit rough. So, <laughs> um, but so kind of uh, looking at the pitching side, I think that's one area. Um, where the Orioles probably don't have as strong of prospects. I mean, you have D.L. Hall, Cade Povich, um, a few others. Um, what are your What are your expectations for the Orioles' future rotation? It's It's interesting, right? Because when their their strategies obviously go hitter heavy early in the mm-hmm. draft, because that's I think just safer. I think you can attest to that as the Royals. They yeah. they went pitching a lot, and it, no, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect at all. That whole thing, but um, it seems like their plan is they're gonna target guys with a certain profile later in the draft um hoppy fastball tall right-handed usually like with one good off-speed pitch they feel confident they can teach change-ups and sweepers so what we've seen is they take a guy like justin armbruster in uh one of these most recent drafts and alex fam is another pop-up guy right now it's like these guys were late round picks i think alex fam was 17th round in 2021 Pitched out of relief his first two years. Then this year, he's been starting, and he has the highest strikeout rate in the Orioles minor league system, and he just got promoted to double-A and had a good first start there. It's like 
again, I think they're just trying to develop like four or five starters, three, three through five, and maybe worst case, they become decent relievers. And they've also targeted pitchers a lot in their trades. Uh, so yeah. they're not exactly drafting a bunch, but they're targeting like Chase McDermott is another guy who's got great stuff if he can just harness it. And Kate Povich, like you talked about before. So I think between trades and building up later draft picks and international guys who they're in the lower minors, still ways to go before the international presence is really felt like. But if you look at the Astros where Elias and them came from, I mean, that that rotation is a bunch of international guys like Christian Javier and mm-hmm. Framber Valdez, et cetera. So I think that's the plan. And hopefully this trade deadline or some offseason or some trade deadline, they can uh, use some of their prospect capital to get a guy kind of like the Mariners did with Luis Castillo last year and trade for him and sign him to an extension. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what the Royals did when they were in their strongest time. They they traded Will Myers and a bunch of other guys and got James Shields and Wade Davis in, and those were two key pieces for that two World Series run that now seems forever ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so kind of switching gears here. So what are some under-the-radar prospects that fans should be paying attention to? Anybody who's like maybe playing Dynasty Fantasy Baseball or just who loves the, the prospect game should be paying attention to the Orioles system. Yeah, I've got a couple hitters, of course. Um, first up is Creed Willems, who was promoted to from low A to high A a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. He just turned 20 years old like a few weeks ago. And he's got a 161 WRC plus on the year between the two levels, I believe. Fifteen uh, percent walk rate, twenty-five percent strikeout rate. And this is a guy who, last year, who's who started in May, I think, right before his nineteenth birthday, and just looked terrible. He he was yeah. looking out of shape. He looked just struggled at the plate. Just I guess a lot of focus on learning the pitchers and and how to catch over a course of a full season but he must have done something over the offseason because he looks like a completely different player and a guy who will probably start in double a next year at 20 years old as a catcher so between him and samuel basayo seems like adley rutschman's gonna have a decent backup at some point <laughs> and uh yeah the other guy i was gonna say is cesar prieto who was an international signing out of cuba a little bit older last year and he started off really hot in 2022 he had a great april in high a got promoted to double a and then seemed to just the long season just grind a war on him. He got worse and worse as the season went on. This year, he bucked up over the offseason. He absolutely was killing it for the first two months in AA. He was recently promoted to AAA and is kind of doing the same thing so far. So he's another guy that's – he's actually not a swing decision guy. He just doesn't walk, but he doesn't strike out. He's kind of like a Luis Arise type, you know, probably a poor man's Luis Arise. But yeah. that's the, the type of player he is, so – yeah, those two guys, I think, are a little bit under the radar. Preto is really interesting to me because I remember looking him up, and I think he was hitting over like 350 at some point. So, like, if you're not going to walk if you're going to hit over 350, I guess that's one way to go about it. Yeah, I think he has like a 6.7% strikeout rate for the year, something like that, and that's like insane. a 6% walk rate. So, yeah. It's kind of what Javier Vaz was doing for the Royals this year. Um, so if you can – the one guy I want to mention that that's really stuck out to me that has kind of popped on my radar is uh, Zach Showalter. Um, I think Jeff Ponce from Baseball America recently had an outing with him, and he was like 93 to 95, topping out at 96. Um, looked really good, six strikeouts in three innings. Um, what do you what do you have on Zach Showalter? Yeah, a guy. You know, we have a saying on our podcast: when the Orioles take a pitcher. Or when they draft a high schooler, especially a high school pitcher, <laughs> um, yeah, that that means they they see something they like. <laughs> They're going out of their way to get him, and 
Yeah, he didn't pitch last year after the draft, so this is the first we're seeing of him. And, man, he's been very impressive. Hoppy fastball, like I talked about the Orioles like. Um, and I think he's got a changeup and a slider that are, you know, have some potential. So, yeah, between him and Carter Baumler, if Baumler could ever get and stay healthy, I think those two guys are like, you know, the potential mid to upper tier rotation arms down the line. I love it. I love it. Well, Bob, I, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, this has been incredible. What we really want to do is just kind of give everybody an overview of the different teams, farm systems of like guys we're interviewing. Cause we know people love the prospects and love the opportunity to kind of just learn and get to know guys in the organization that might not get the coverage that they deserve. So uh, for everybody who's listening, where can they find all your work that you're doing? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at the Oriole report. Our podcast Twitter is at BSL on the verge. And we tweet out a lot of highlight videos and promotions like from levels in the minor leagues <laughs> promotions. Uh, and if you search BSL on the verge anywhere in your podcast feed, you should find us and uh, yeah, give us a listen and see what you think. Awesome. Well, this has been incredible, Bob. Uh, we're going to now turn it over to that interview with uh, Dylan and uh, Judd Fabian. All right, welcome to the Behind the Seams Prospects Corner. We have two of the Baltimore Orioles' top prospects, uh, Dylan Beavers and Judd Fabian. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Good. I'm good, how are you? Good, good. I'm uh, excited to have you guys on. So uh, we got a few questions for you all. Uh, some that are for both of you, some are just for the each of the individuals. But uh, for both of you guys, so uh, you played at big D1 schools. Dylan, you're at Cal. Uh, Judd, you're at Florida. And pretty big conferences with the Pac-12 and SEC. So college baseball is a little bit different than the minor leagues. Uh, what's been the biggest adjustment for you guys as you've kind of gone from the, the college game uh, mid to the pros? And Dylan, we'll kick it off with you. Um, probably the main difference is just playing every day as opposed yeah. to three or four times a week. Um, and then I'd say like the, the arms you see, it's more consistent, like more consistently good arms as opposed to seeing like a few good arms a week. It's like every, every arm is pretty good. So those are kind of the two main differences. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd have to kind of lean on that and say it's, it's, it's the same uh, yeah. kind of level of playing. Um, you're traveling a lot more on a bus. Um, I know at Florida, we travel most everywhere on a plane. Um, so getting used to that and and kind of getting ready to play because we leave on Tuesdays, um, bus rides, and then play that night and then play a full series. Um, so um, just kind of keep your body right is, is the biggest difference I've uh, noticed from college professional baseball. Yeah. Do you have, what's been the longest bus ride so far? Uh, we went to Winston-Salem, which was like seven and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. They, I'm sure they just throw a bunch of different movies at you on the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's yeah, that's awesome. I, I guess the next question kind of going into it, um, what's kind of been the, the biggest kind of like aha moment for you guys? Like now you've made it to professional baseball that you're like, oh, this is it. I'm chasing my dream, chasing my goal. Yeah, I think I think uh, for me it's like, oh, I get to do this every day. Like if I have a bad game, say on Wednesday, I know I got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to have another opportunity at it. So I think that's kind of like okay, I'm playing professional baseball in college. You have a bad day on Sunday, you have to wait till Tuesday or Wednesday if you're playing a midweek, or even next Friday if you're not playing a midweek. So um, getting to play every day, it's kind of like all right. 
uh, I'm finally playing professional baseball and, you know, one bad day, it doesn't affect my play at all. Yeah, I just say like it's similar, similar to that. It's like you're there, you're at the field every day. It's kind of all we're doing now. So you're at the field for nine, ten hours a day. Um, and that's kind of what your schedule revolves around. Obviously, it's it's a it's your job now, so it's um, exciting that you get to basically put all your focus and energy towards one thing. Kind of as you guys made that transition from college to pro ball, how helpful has it been to have guys like Max Wagner, Maxwell Casas, Carter Young, all these guys who've played at the college level and are kind of making that same transition with you? Um, how's it helped in terms of like developing connection and really uh, d- doing that journey through pro ball with each other? Yeah, it's been it's been fun uh, getting to know those guys um, and kind of being able to experience this all for the first time together. Um, we all went down to Sarasota right after the draft and kind of got to meet each other and, and get to know how everyone's doing. Um, but it definitely helps having someone who's been to college as well and kind of share their experiences and, and how they how they go about their day and, and, and be able to kind of grow up in professional baseball with them. Yeah, for me, it's kind of it's cool getting to hear um, from the other guys who were, especially guys from different conferences like SEC, ACC guys, how different their um, college experience was like playing college baseball than mine. Um, that's definitely been the most interesting part. And but you know, it's at the end of the day, we all kind of played similar similar level of college baseball and. Um, it's nice having them there to kind of go through it with. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, just kind of a question for you, because I know you were recruited to Cal as a pitcher. Um, kind of talk about that transition of having to go from pitching to hitting, and do you miss being on the mound and throwing? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of just I, – I, I threw hard in high school, um, and I, was, I always knew I kind of wanted to hit. Um, I knew I – I had more tools um, that could be of value. So um, being being a hitter, playing every day is kind of always what I wanted to do. And uh, pitching was kind of just a way to get get me to a school where I could showcase my um, hitting and stuff. So uh, yeah, I think my after my freshman year, I, they never asked me to pitch again. All I did was play <laughs> outfield stuff. Um, yeah, I'm glad that I don't have to pitch anymore. I never really enjoyed it all that much. I, I like hitting a lot better, so got got where I wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's incredible to see how you had to make that transition. Um, Judd, kind of going into your story a little bit. Um, so you were taken by the Red Sox the year before, um, but decided to go back to Florida to have that opportunity to play college with your brother, something that we really focus on as a human side and kind of – Tell us about what went into that decision and what made it so important to really have that extra time actually having the opportunity to play at the college level with your brother. Yeah, um, you know, it was a it was a rough uh, junior year. Um, uh, ended up getting picked by the Red Sox and, uh, you know, things didn't work out. And so I uh, had a talk with my family um, and we basically decided, look, me and uh, Derek, um, we've kind of dreamt of this our whole lives of wanting to play collegiate baseball with each other. Um, and we had the opportunity to do that. And I, I said, you know what, um, 
this is the best opportunity that we're gonna have. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take it, and um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made going back to college. Yeah, I kind of. What would you say? Kind of was. How did you grow your game the most, and kind of grow as a person? Uh, spending that extra year at Florida, really having that time with your brother too. Yeah. So basically, it just helped me kind of mature and, and and become a better person rather than a than a baseball player. Um, you know, I felt like I took a great step off the field and that helped my game on the field. Um, so um, just having him around, too, he uh, he kept me honest on the field um, and off the field. You know, he's not afraid to say anything to me when I'm going bad or, or doing good, keeping me level headed. So um, it really kind of kind of helped off and off on the field um, aspects. Um, so it was, it was a great year. Yeah, I got to imagine it helped him, too, in terms of that transition, because you've been through it, right? You got to go through every step at college, knew what the ups and downs were. Like, if problems came up, I'm sure you were able to kind of mentor him through some of that, too. Yeah, he uh, he he always asked me questions last year, um, and I was able to give him an honest answer and not give him one that's going to lead him anywhere bad. Um, I was honest with him, and uh, he really uh, was grateful for that, and it helped him throughout his freshman year. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. I, so the other thing we kind of focus on too on the podcast is uh, powering through moments of adversity. And both of you had to face uh, having a season cut short due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, how did you kind of power through that and kind of get through it like emotionally and physically and kind of get yourself prepared because uh, you wanted to keep playing college ball. You wanted to make it to that next level. So um, how did you get through that kind of moment? Yeah, I, I mean, it was definitely tough. Um we were doing pretty good as a squad and um, we were about to start SEC play and we got told it was, it was canceled. The whole season was canceled. Um, and so it immediately went to, all right, we got to go home, like get all our stuff out of Gainesville and, and, and go home. Um, and I was grateful enough that uh, my brother um, was home with me. So we, uh, we never stopped uh, practicing. Um, we had to go out in the backyard and throw, uh, make sure just, staying within the game, um, hitting with each other, all that stuff. So um, it was really good, um, but it was difficult uh, not being able to play for a while. Um, surely it was difficult, but um, kind of getting that time together um, to keep practicing helped. Yeah. yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was kind of, it was honestly, it was, it was good in the aspect that I got to kind of improve on the stuff that I, I needed to work on. Um, cause we didn't, we didn't go back for the fall. So I, I got about just about a full year. I got like 10 months, something like that. Um, just to try and gain weight, get stronger, faster, um, improve in the aspects of the game that I, I thought I needed to improve on. So, um, for me, obviously it was, it was weird not being, you know, just getting a few months at, at college because I was a freshman that year. Um, just kind of getting a taste of the experience and then having to go home for another year, basically, um, until we went back. But I, I'd say that I tried to take advantage of the extra downtime that I had. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're probably excited to get out of the parents' house and you're like, well, well yeah, <laughs> going back. back to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that that's kind of awesome. They, they 
having those moments of adversity too, I'm sure help prep you kind of to get ready for pro ball. Um, so kind of take us through what the draft process was like for both of you. So what was it like kind of getting your name called or even having to go through the process of waiting to get your name called? I know when I worked at the university of Nevada, there was a lot of guys who were like, okay, we have scouts telling us that we're going to be taken here. We're going to get taken here. Um, kind of what was that process like for both of you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a long waiting process um, for me. It was kind of two years in the making. Um, you know, my junior year, um, when I got drafted by the Sox, I uh, actually was going to go to the Orioles for the next pick. Um, and so it was kind of two years in the making. Um, and um, I got a call from my agent and said, all right, you're going to the, uh, the Orioles right here with this pick. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like a dream come true. Um, you know, I got to spend it with family too, which which made it even better. So um, it was a long time coming. Um, so it was just a really great night, uh, all in all. Yeah, for me, it was definitely a, a stressful time. Um, so it was hard not to be stressed because I had no no idea where I would end up falling, what team, um, what pick. So I, I was definitely a little bit stressed, anxious leading up to it. Um, but then, you know, whenever I whenever I got my name called and figured out where I was going, it was a it was a relief and kind of kind of just eye opening and gave me a gave me an opportunity to see how far I'd come. And um, so it was definitely a blessing, like being able to hear that. You know, not not many people um, get that opportunity, especially uh, earlier too. So it was it was a really cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I kind of have now that you've transitioned into pro ball. Um, what are some of the aspects of your game that you're really like, oh, okay, this is what I want to work on this year? Have you kind of pulled out different things that you are uh, really uh, wanting to work on this year? You could go ahead, Beast. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, definitely hitting, just kind of adapting to the pitching, uh, you know, consistently consistently facing harder velo, um, better shapes, um, you know, more accurate off-speed pitches, just kind of, kind of developing as a hitter is one of the main things that's just going to be ABs and kind of getting feedback from what I'm doing. Um, which I think the Orioles do a good job of, you know, developing hitters and, uh, and then another kind of the main thing coming into the season for me was, uh, defense i want to improve on defense and um judd's just not too bad at defense so i i learned a lot of stuff from him and uh yeah it's just, i feel like i've definitely improved on on my defensive play throughout this you know halfway through the year yeah and uh for me it's just basically been uh getting a little better on the pitch selection side um you know, I was kind of a, a chaser in college, um, chased a bunch of pitches out of the zone. And so kind of the Orioles do this thing where they put a bucket and a med ball behind home plate. Um, and if it's going to hit the med ball swing, it's not, then, uh, you know, take it because it's not a pitch you could drive. Um, so I've been working really hard on pitch selection this year. Um, just kind of talking to all the other guys about kind of what their mindset is going into the plate too. I know, I know Beavs is, is very patient as well. So I've been talking his ear off, um, trying to get, what he kind of thinks when he goes up to the plate and uh, it's really helped me throughout this year become a better uh, pitch selector and uh, drive more balls in the zone. 
Love it. Yeah. Uh, so kind of as we dive into the last couple of questions here, um, the first one I always ask is because we focus on the human side of the game. How, what are some of the things and passions that you have away from baseball that really help you when you get off that field, uh, have that separator um, so that you can go home to and kind of take your mind off of baseball a little bit? For me, I, I didn't, you know, coming into pro ball, I didn't have a ton of hobbies just because, you know, a lot of your time spent uh, in college is baseball and school. So I, uh, I'd say like just hanging out with my teammates in college was mostly what I did in my spare time. But uh, lately I've been trying to pick up hobbies. So uh, when we were in Florida, I kind of started fishing. Uh, Judd, Judd started to help me, help me out with that. And uh, Preston Johnson too, another guy in our draft class. He's He's a big fisher, so um, I got into fishing a little bit, and then uh, I also got a guitar too. So been trying to work on that. How far have you gotten with a guitar? Not too far, but <laughs> you know, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. I played the ukulele in high school, and uh, I thought it would be similar to that, but it's a little bit more advanced for sure. Yeah, by you, Judd. Yeah, I'm I'm an outdoors guy. Um, being from Florida. Just- kind of love being outdoors so hunting fishing whatever it is um and yeah at sarasota uh me and beast would always go try to fish little ponds um during spring training um didn't work most of the time but um we caught a few fish i gotta i can't imagine there's any good fish in aberdeen fishing spots at least (laughs) Uh, not that i haven't found anything yet i got my fishing pole here but there's there's not much around here yeah. Uh, so kind of dive into the last question. Uh, we always want this to be something that the fans are really going to enjoy and kind of learn a little bit more about you guys. But uh, we also want like future players to be able to come to these interviews, kind of learn something as well. So if you had like one piece of advice for guys who might be going through some of the, the same journey you are trying to make it to pro ball, uh, what would that one piece of advice be? Yeah, I'd say just, you know, take every day, like enjoy it. Um, it, it's a very long season, but it's already gone by quick. Um, and I would just tell guys to enjoy every second of it. Um, you know, you may never get this chance to play the game again. Um, so just treat every day like it could be your last um, and enjoy it because um, not one day is going to make or break your season. Um, it's a long season no matter what uh, level you're at. Um, so just enjoy every day of it. Yeah, for me, it would just be like, you know, when when you're when you're going to play a game, just be confident. Um, makes the game a lot more enjoyable. If you're doubting, you know, doubting yourself when you're out there on the field, it's stressful, not very fun. You're not going to get the results you want. So, just be confident in the work and preparation you've done, um, and just go out and compete and have fun. Yeah, I love that because I, I mean, if you beat yourself before you even go out there, that other guy's got you, got your number. So, exactly. uh, well, Judd, uh, Dylan, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join uh, beyond, our behind the scenes. Uh, we're wishing you nothing but the best this season. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be watching your careers. Thank you thank for you. having us.